Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hello and welcome to the 351st episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Sandy, uh, you, you have a story for us? Well, not necessarily a story, but definitely an update on things. Um, okay. Cam and I are starting to sort of look a little bit more seriously about purchasing a place. Um, and we've, we've sort of narrowed it down, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, we were looking at maybe we... Uh, maybe we look at a place in the suburbs you know because we feel we felt like we might want more space and right now we're uh we, we, we've come around more to oh you know what would be nice would be if we um we try to make it work in the city and so we're we're looking at apartments in new york city uh specifically manhattan right now um, okay. And what's been interesting is like all the stuff that we are learning about the process um, and how different it is from other places, we'll say. Uh, so remind me when you were um, when you were looking for your place, um, you were essentially you were just dealing with the seller themselves. And by that, I mean, you obviously had your real estate agent, they had their real estate agent, there was a seller, the buyer, you, did any of you, yes. did, did either party have a lawyer? Uh, not till later. So we had, we had a lawyer, um, when it came time to like closing. So once we had put an offer in and the offer was accepted, then we hired a lawyer. Um, and that was just, like just through our realtor's recommendation. We worked with the lawyer during that closing process, but that's it. Never before. Never before. Yes, never before. Okay, cool. Um, so, what's interesting? And I guess you know you you obviously have a mortgage out on the place. Um, and is it fair to say that uh, the idea is you obviously own your 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 sort of mortgage? You're working towards owning this home, and right now the like deed to the home is not in your possession. It's in like whoever has your mortgage in their possession. Yes. And then once you like fully pay off uh, that mortgage, then they essentially like you, you earn the right to have that sort of piece of paper in your possession. Yeah, yeah. To like dumb yeah, it, it down quite essentially. Accurate. Yeah, um, yeah. It says pretty accurate. Cool. So what we're learning is the, the real estate market in New York City is slightly different. Uh, and I'll sort of walk you through uh, what we've been learning, uh, low-key learning, um, throughout the very sort of brief time that we've spent sort of like trying to get our ducks in a row, I'd say. Uh, okay. The market up here is mo mostly consists of uh two types of properties condos and co-ops condos are similar to some of the properties that you might have looked at before the idea is 
you're looking to purchase a specific property, uh, obviously your property might be different in the sense that it's a home, uh, a single family home. And these are like individual maybe apartments per se in, uh, in a larger multi-unit building. Now, yes, there are like single family home townhomes or brownstones in the city, but that's like multi-million dollar, like we're talking seven to, ten, seven to nine digit um, purchases. So sort of outside what we're, what we're really talking about today. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but condos are, are interesting because you, um, you're paying for a specific piece of property so that you become a property holder. Uh, there's also this idea of like, you obviously you pay property taxes on this thing. Um, there's, uh, it's, it feels more akin to just the normal uh, home buying process. What else can I tell you? In New York City, uh, condos are more flexible uh, than, than co-ops. Uh, what makes a condo flexible? Uh, they tend to allow foreign buyers uh, so someone that's not a U.S. citizen can buy. Uh, they also don't tend to run the deepest background checks, I'd say. Um, a background okay. check is still run. Credit checks are still run. But it's not like uh, they're, they're a little bit more forgiving in what they'll allow, I'll say. And then uh, what else? Uh, the amount down is also interesting. Uh, so they, they, they tend to be a little bit more, I don't want to say flexible, but, but certainly there's like larger, uh, deviations of the amounts of money that, uh, that they're willing to take on that down payment. Um, you know, I, you know, there's like, depending on the mortgage sort of, uh, or the property or the bank that you're looking to get your mortgage with, it can be as little as like what, I think 5%, right? Uh, very common yeah. to be putting ten yeah. percent down. Uh, the, the yep. anything below twenty percent, you tend to uh, engage with uh, what's it called um, mortgage insurance, right? Uh, yes, exactly. All that jazz. So yep. There's there's that. I'm trying to think of like what else with a, with a condo. Uh, oh, there's a there's very little sorry very little uh, limitations on when you are allowed to sell the property so you can buy it and then you basically could be uh, you could you could resell it rather quickly if you if you needed to um, okay so, so so that's something that uh, some people like with a condo um, subletting potentially is a, is a thing that they'll allow you to do as well so just you know stuff to stuff to think about with condos now because condos offer this type of flexibility um the price point for them tend to be a little bit higher uh because you're essentially paying for the ability to do all this stuff um you have to essentially uh, view all of these as rights of uh the the homeowner um and it's a little bit different than a single family home obviously like if you want to airbnb it outside of what your hoa may or may not allow uh you, you're pretty much allowed to just do that um, but in New York City, uh, there, there, there's a lot more like limitations on what you're allowed to do, and property holders, or I guess building management, can also be a, a bit of more of a stickler for certain things. Okay, so yeah, the condo market 
tends to be a little bit more expensive, like I said, because you're, you're, you're paying for the, uh, the freedom to do all these things. The market itself, if you were to think of like a slice of pie, uh, it's probably, I want to say like less, than, probably around the quarter uh, of the market is in condos. Um, now, the market in Manhattan is also considerably lower for for condos. Uh, condos start to become more popular also at a certain price point. So like million plus, you start to see a lot more condos. Uh, wow. Yeah, because that's where like the new uh, the new constructions come in. So there's a lot of like really really fancy buildings that are uh, essentially like, for example, it, it, it's a, it's common to see like a, a building come up, maybe a handful of units, um, maybe like one or two on each floor. So like if it's a five story unit or five sorry five story building, you might see like five to ten units, and each of those could be like million five two million um how many square feet are you talking about in such a place um, i know it's probably pretty variable based on location and such but yeah so location you're you're essentially paying uh you're paying for a location with a lot of these uh but we we recently saw a uh a 700 square feet place 700 square feet one bedroom apartment in a really prime location, the Upper West Side, for 1.7. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and it's like super fancy, um, like all modern appliances, yada yada yada. But you know, 1.7 is is nothing to. It's up there. It's up there. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's quite up there. Nothing to really sneeze at, I'll say. Um, yeah, for sure. And so, you know, that that's certainly something something to to really think about. Um, but otherwise, like the it's it's pretty uh, pretty reasonable, I'd say, this to be like you know at, at a certain price point. You're also just um, you're looking at more co-ops, and so I'll I'll sort of talk a little bit now about what makes the co-op market interesting. Uh, the co-op market is uh, more of what you'll see in New York City because there's a lot of like these large buildings. Um, these old apartment buildings, uh, a co-op, when you're buying a co-op, you're not buying a piece of property. You're buying shares in a corporation um, because each of the buildings is essentially mm. their own mini corporation. And Interesting. You, okay. the, the rights of the shareholder include being able to live within this unit um, and the amount of shares that you are essentially are buying is a reflection of like sort of the total square footage and value of this particular asset within the larger portfolio of units. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like we would never have like a deed to our home. What we would have is a stock certificate uh, for this particular building. That's like a, a big right. difference there. Yeah. Now, because it's a corporation, uh, there's a lot of rules for entry. Um, some of the rules that make it different may include, uh, let's see, simple ones right off the top are the amount down. So when you buy a home, a single family home, depending on what the seller is like uh, comfortable with, you might be able to put what like 5% down, 10% down, you know, like 
uh, as long as you can fulfill the mortgage and the the whole application and, and, and package is 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 rather attractive, you're you're good to go, right? Um, because right. you're essentially dealing with the seller as uh, the uh, the counterparty. The rules of a co-op make that a little bit more interesting uh, because the co-op uh, has a lot of financial interest in keeping the stability of the of the unit uh, of the sorry stability of the building as as, as uh, I guess reducing the variance of all that stuff. I was going to say stability more stable, but that, that seems like a weird thing to say. Um, they they want to make sure that whoever is looking to purchase. Uh, into the building is a financial, like a strong financial backing, and and someone that can they can ensure yeah, will yeah. be able to pay the the mortgage uh, for as long as possible, right? And right. and so it's not, uh, it is not what's it called? Uh, it's very common, I'll say. Too many like negatives. It's very common to see places that require maybe twenty five percent down. 30% down. We've seen places that are 50% down. We've are seen, you serious? Yeah, we've seen places that are 100% all cash only. Um, and so there's a reason Where why. Where do you see this type of information when you see like, like, oh, this is what we require? Is this when, you, like, would you see this on Zillow or is this something that you would see only when you're working with a realtor asking for information, like see a place? You know, that's a really good question. Um, certain places, like if you go to this, uh, this website, streeteasy.com, uh, here I'll, I'll send you. I'll send it to you um, as a, as an example. But they, they can tell you, uh, and a lot of these are the way that they'll describe it is certain percent financing allowed. So if they say like seventy five percent financing allowed, then the twenty five percent is a down payment. I see. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna try and find like a quick one for you that that'll be helpful. Um, yeah, while you do that, I could tell you yeah, when when we were when we were house hunting, and I was talking just to, um, to my uh, father in law about this um, just this weekend that that is quite common that people, especially in this in this in this market, just they uh, they want to demand high down payments because they basically it's an easy way to ensure that the people are good for the money. So it's like okay, you know, if say it's a you know, million dollar home and you're trying to come in and say, Hey, I'm only going to give 10% as a down payment. They're going to, they're the, the mortgage company might be like, you know, Oh, you're technically pre-approved for that money. But is it because you are working overtime and all these other th mm -hmm. details that the mortgage company isn't looking into yet? So if you can come up and say, Hey, I'm going to get 50% down. It's like, okay, you know, if you have $500,000 on hand, it seems pretty likely that you're going to be able to make those multi payments and therefore less likely that the mortgage company is going to say or decline your, your mortgage at closing, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that, that's sort of one thing. Uh, so we just talked about like down payments and that's, that's akin to the, the classic like millennial uh, sort of gatekeeping of, of home yeah, ownership, yeah, right? Is. Like. A lot of places. How many people have that much money on? Right, on you can afford already. from a monthly uh, rent yes. perspective. You can afford a lot more. Exactly. But how many of us have? Exactly. Like for this unit that I just sent you, uh, how many of us mm -hmm. casually have one hundred forty-two thousand five hundred dollars? Uh, yeah. Just, just like laying around. Sitting around. Yeah. 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 And let and it's a lot of times it's only people who have that money in their current house. 
Right. So it's like, right. That's when you have those like contingent sales where it's like, okay, I will buy this house and I'll put up this much money contingent on the sell the sale of my current home. Right. So you're absolutely right. Um, and so we talked about down payments. We also there's another thing, uh, your debt to income ratio. And so a lot of yep, places yep. don't like if you have a really high debt to income ratio. Uh, they can be pretty strict about that. It could be like any, and this would be including the mortgage that you would take out. That if your debt to income ratio raised over like thirty percent, they'll be like, "No, you're you're too risky for us." Uh, yeah. And and you know how many people uh, have student loans? How many people exactly. have car payments? How many people have yeah. like medical payments? They gotta, you know, like it's a uh, yeah. It's all these things that could really make it. Uh, tough for someone to be considered a, a viable candidate and and so from from one perspective you're like oh man this doesn't seem fair at all and, and that's certainly you know uh, a perspective what's also interesting is during the financial downturn if we're gonna like if we're gonna put uh, our, our capitalism hats on uh, you know how like the banks are just giving like everyone these ridiculous uh, mortgages um, yeah sort of Shout out to the what the big uh, uh, what was that movie about uh, the financial downturn? Uh, the is it the the big short? The big short, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, not 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 the most ideal of things to to sort of let people put themselves into a financial hole that they they themselves don't understand. Uh, the during that time when most of the nation's housing market was like essentially becoming underwater, uh, the financial uh, sorry the real estate market in uh, New York City felt relatively stable. Uh, and that was because the financial requirements that a lot of these co-op boards require uh, were more stringent than the bank. And so yes, the bank could certainly give you this mortgage, but all of this would be a, uh, considered a package that you would provide to the co-op board uh, for them to approve your, uh, your application to like purchase this place. And they would just they were just turning people away left and right. They'd be like, "No, nah, you, no thanks. We don't want to take you on." Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. you know, like we realize how much money you're making. We realize how much mortgage you're taking out. Um, they can also they want to see like you know where you make your money. They want to see like so many uh, pay stubs. They want to make sure that you're just essentially able to uh, pay for for this place because you know like it, it's very common for someone when they buy a home to essentially. Uh, like clear out all their savings right it's sort of like this is yeah. why we saved all of our money to to buy this massive purchase uh this is another thing that you'll really get a kick out of it there's this concept with co-op purchasing called post-closed liquidity uh the notion there is how much money do you have after you buy this place and will you be able to make your mortgage payments after purchasing this place Right, like if you were to lose your job or something like that. Exactly, exactly. It's very common, Reza, for them to want to, for they want you to be able to prove as a, uh, as a potential home buyer, that you'll be able to make the mortgage payments and the maintenance payments. Maintenance is a concept that I'll speak about in a second, but uh, okay, make these sets of payments for two years post close. Oh wow, two years. Two okay. years. And they need. I thought you were going to say one. Uh, no. Well, some places are one, but we're, we're yeah, hearing yeah, that the majority yeah. is two. Uh, okay. Yeah. And it, what's interesting about that is they're like, yeah, we, you know, and you have to show that uh, throughout the entire process. So you got to make sure that the money's in the account, 
and then mm-hmm. uh, yep, yep, how yep. many people right so you go back to it how many people have like the place that i sent you 142,000 for a, a place that doesn't seem too bad right 475 is like it doesn't seem like the craziest uh, number that i'm showing you right yeah but then no. outside of that you need to prove that you can make the two years worth of payments on day one so that's a little bit frustrating the maintenance yeah uh that you that you're seeing here there's a mortgage and a maintenance uh the maintenance cost is the way they do property taxes is you yourself don't get a bill for uh for taxes from like the uh the city or whatever the building gets one uh they get a tax bill and then your share of the taxes is essentially like however many shares you have in the building uh, and then you, you pay your share of the property taxes. Property taxes will also, uh, I'm sorry, the mortgage, sorry, the maintenance will also include stuff like the water, maybe the heat, other things that they might be throwing in there. Some places have higher maintenance if it comes down to like you have a, you have more staff in the building that you're paying for. Like are there multiple doormen, multiple porters? Uh, do you yeah. have a gym? Do you have laundry in the unit? Do you have elevators? Elevators are really expensive. Uh, if you go to a place with a fancy lobby, guess who paid for that lobby? Everyone in the building paid for that lobby. Um, and so these are just things that you have to like, think about when you're looking at uh, looking at these buildings to be like, oh, what do I, what am I willing to pay for? And then there's these things as a uh, as a co-op owner called assessments, where let's just say something breaks down yeah ideally the co-op board has enough money in the reserves to pay for it so like you know your your monthly costs don't go up but if there's an emergency that needs to be a fix like let's just say the elevator's broken and it's going to cost a pretty penny and then you're going to try and you know use as many of your reserves as possible but then there's additional funds that everyone in the uh the building has to chip in for that could be like it's what's known as assessment it's a limited time price increase to cover particular projects and yeah and so there yeah. are places that are like oh we're getting a new elevator we're getting a new lobby um and then all that stuff has to essentially get get floated into it and and that's a little bit interesting. And so a lot of these co-ops you'll find that are like, oh, we uh, we just completed a brand new lobby. We just got this done. We just got that done. So you don't have to pay for it. And like that's stuff that you'll also have to like look into. When you're looking at these co-op uh, buildings, you got to think to yourself, all right, um, well, are you good for this? Is everything up to date? Um, you know, the facades of buildings, so that the exterior of buildings have to be done every five years. So you're gonna pay for that at some point. You better make sure that roof is real new. You better make sure the elevators are new. You gotta make sure all these things are new so that the health of the co-op board uh, or the reserves aren't something that like they're gonna dig into real quickly. Cause then essentially you could be assuming you're paying for one thing, but then when you like really dig into it, like are you even able to survive if something else sort of comes up and you'd have yeah, to, yeah. you'd have to be able to pay for that. The, the reason why they make it so strict is because if, for example, if you and I bought into a co-op and we're like next door neighbors, right? Uh, and I like lost my job, I was forced to do what's known as a forced sale. 
um, where I have I essentially just can't live here anymore. I can't afford it, so I got to sell this. Uh, right. When you do a forced sale like that, you tend to reduce the value of you probably sell it for a loss um, because you, you're not really in a, a position to negotiate. You just got to like get out as as fast as possible. What that does yeah. is it drags the value down of all the other units in the building. And so if I if wow. I was if I was like forced to sell, then essentially the comparables or the comparables in the in the quote unquote neighborhood uh, go down, and that affects your value. And you don't want that to happen because you didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And so right. like it, you essentially it's almost like management and labor. Where in the beginning it's like you want your labor laws to protect the people, so that's like oh man, but let's make this more fair. So that when you're like applying for co-op, you're like, oh man, why do I got to show I got to be able to do all this? Uh, but then if we're, if you're able to prove that you're able to do it and now you're like within the co-op, uh, now you want to be like super stingy. But well, let's, let's not make sure, let's make sure we don't just let anyone in. You know what I mean? So it's like, I can see why they do it, but it's just when you're on mm-hmm. one side or the other, it can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So... All this to say, this is like a 25-minute crash course into the difference between co-ops and condos. I'm sure there's things I left out, uh, but for now, it's just uh, this is just what we're sort of not really dealing with, but uh, we're trying to take into account as we as we start to look. I'll say. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's really interesting. It's, that's, it's, it's, it's another layer really. That's the, that's the big factor. I think when you're, when you're, when you're talking about, and I know you, I know you mentioned this, like, you know, at the beginning when you're, when you were selling or when you were buying like a house, you're really only dealing with the seller. But at this stage, you're dealing with a community of people and so many additional rules and, and regulations that, whether you know that that may be kind of unreasonable what you might think are a bit unreasonable right like mm-hmm. yeah you know, i'm good for it right like <laughs> i'm good for it that's that's what you want to tell people right like this is my job this is you know this yeah. is my uh the the level security and but like also at the same time it's so invasive right like oh yeah i don't i don't want i don't want to be telling all these people all my business right like you know i don't want i don't want people to know hey, all you know as all the money that i make and all the money that i have and all my investments and everything that i've done over the last how long right like it's yeah. just it feels it feels very invasive and it certainly is know, invasive what especially when especially when it's like hey especially when you're looking well within your means right like that's the other aspect of it if you're not looking to buy something that's at the top of your budget and you're like hey yeah like this you know theoretically i could afford i could afford a place that's twice as expensive but i'm not looking for that i'm looking for a place that's half my you know my top right get off my back right now <laughs> like this is this is my salary that's all you should really need to know um you know not 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 really but you know you get it it's like i got this and it's frustrating when you have to go through all these like hoops and everything and people are sitting there questioning you as if you know this this missing uh hundred dollars or something like that is going to be the matter of you getting this mortgage or not yeah yeah exactly uh and we're sort of uh we're realizing that it'll be incredibly invasive but that's just the it just sort of it is what it is and and the faster you uh we'll say get acquainted with that concept then 
the I guess this is like the the easier it is for you to stomach all that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it's been it's been an interesting sort of uh, world that we're like finding ourselves more and more a part of, and and hopefully we'll uh, we'll I'll be updating you as we go through this entire experience. But man, is it gonna be uh oh, it'll be something. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's exciting to hear about the progress or the process for you. Um, yeah, definitely look forward to hear to hear to hear more about it. Um, I hope it goes well. I hope it's not a pain in the butt. <laughs> I'm sure it can be. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll let, we'll let the we'll let everyone know as we know more. Yeah, sounds good. Um. Can I can I give you a super quick uh, update on the Formula One season because it's getting hot, man? Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, all right. So today was the uh, the, the the second to last race of the season. Coming in today, Max Verstappen was eight points ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Um, as you may know, the winner of a race gets twenty five points. Second place gets eighteen points. Um, third place gets like. 12 i think or fifth maybe it's 15 i can't remember what the, what third place is but kind of trails down from there goes down to um 10th place 10th place gets one point and then 11th through 20th gets nothing now the fastest lap of the day also gets an additional point so but you have to be in the top 10 to to uh, qualify for the additional point so say you you win the race you get 25 points but if you also have the fastest lap of the race you get an additional point so you can get 26 points if you win a race so coming into today Lewis Hamilton was behind Max Verstappen by eight points. Um, and if Max Verstappen won the race, then he would be about seven, uh, another, that'd be like another seven points on top, of, you know, not factoring in that fastest lap. If that were to happen, it would effectively be over for Lewis so long as Max like, didn't crash or have a devastating finish in the final race next week. So um, this race was in Saudi Arabia. It's the first time they've ever raced there, and man, this this track was scary. Like you're, have you you know when you see like people you've seen you've seen clips of people racing in Monaco mm-hmm. and how like na- narrow it is, the concrete barriers, all like y- y- if you make one wrong move, you're crashing, and it and it can, and those crashes can be a bit scary. Um, especially when you have like blind turns and stuff. Like if you were to crash and somebody else is coming at you like a hundred and some miles an hour around a blind corner and they don't know you're there, like they can they can kill you like just like that. So um, race the the race was out of control. I can't even describe to you like the nonsense that was going on this race. But what I can tell you is that uh, after some sh- shenanigans and actually like touches between Lewis and Max. It ended up where uh, Lewis Hamilton won the race, and so and he also had fastest lap. So coming into this race again, I mentioned he was down eight points. We're going into the final race next week, completely tied up. Now, like if neither of them finish the race, Max Verstappen wins the championship because he has more wins, so he basically has a tiebreaker. But um, basically, we're going to this race next week. Whoever wins wins the championship. So. It'll be a it'll be an interesting one to watch. It should be pretty fun to watch, especially for like Lewis. He's going for his eighth championship, which would be a record right now. He's tied with Michael Schumacher at seven. Um, but yeah, it's uh, this it, it's it's been a, it's been an exciting season. Today's race was out of control. Like it was it was nuts. I I I'm not sure how I feel about them racing there again in the future. Um, but. It'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to catching next week. I don't know if I sold you on watching it live, but 
you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll see uh, you'll I'm sure you'll see clips of it from Draft to Survive next season. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna go uh, cry about my my fantasy team and uh, unlikeliness of getting to the playoffs now after the after the beatdown you've just given me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were playing each other until you said something. <laughs> I go, oh, oh, uh, that is you. Oh, that is you. Oh, uh, yeah, that is you. I'm giving the beatdown to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was me. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's get right. out of here. All right. Oh, well, I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. See everyone next week.